A lot of people think they can just go buy a book for $9 or 99 cents online and read a couple of things and then go out there and become a real estate kingpin. But in reality, what you have to understand is, is that you're dealing with a product and a product is a house and you have to familiarize yourself with pricing in that neighborhood. Best ever listeners, wouldn't it be nice to have a $2 million pre-approval line of credit? Ah, just think about that. Isn't that nice? Wouldn't that be nice? How would that help you get more deals done? Because when you submit a pre-approval line of credit with your offer on a fix and flip house, do you think it's going to stand out more? I think so. And our friends at Fun That Flip, you know Fun That Flip, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show before many times. He's a friend of mine. He's also the owner of Fun That Flip and they're a sponsor of today's episode what they're doing is they're giving a $2 million pre-approval line of credit up to $2 million pre-approval line of credit for qualified buyers. And my gosh, in this competitive buying market, sellers prefer to sell to buyers who have a high likelihood of closing, right? Makes sense. Well, use this pre-approval line of credit from Fund That Flip and that will signal to the seller that you're the real deal and you'll be able to close quickly. It's free. All you gotta do is go to fundthatflip.com. You've gotta qualify that you have prior experience and there's a process, but it's free and you need to go to fundthatflip.com to get the pre-approval line of credit because this is a way that's gonna help your short-term rehab loan happen because you're going to get the deal for the property where you need the short-term rehab loan. Go to fundthatflip.com and get that pre-approval line of credit for up to $2 million. Best ever listeners, hello. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out the fluffy stuff and we only talk about the best advice that moves your real estate investing business forward. With us today, we have an experienced wholesaler and fix and flipper. How you doing? Lex Levenrad. Awesome, Joe. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, my friend. And nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Lex, and then he'll get into it in more detail. He is the founder of Distressed Real Estate Institute, which looks like it's focused on single family, fixing and flipping, and wholesaling. He is an active real estate investor who has purchased and sold more than $50 million worth of real estate. He's the author of seven books about investing and has been featured on a whole lot of the media outlets, including ABC, CBS, etc. And he is based in Miami, Florida. With that being said, Lex, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? First of all, I'm in Boca Raton, Florida, which is about an hour north of Miami. Oh. And um, <laughs> But uh, same area. And basically, we specialize in distressed real estate, buying, fixing, and flipping, buying, fixing, and renting, as well as wholesaling, primarily single-family homes that are in the entry-level area. We focus a lot of, on working with uh, new investors and teaching them how to fix and flip and wholesale properties. How did you get your start? I used to be a stockbroker way back when, and in March of 2000, the stock market crashed. I found myself basically unemployed and pretty much broke. And um, I listened to a late-night infomercial by a guy by the name of Carlton Sheets, he, one of these late-night infomercials on TV, 
about making money investing in real estate. And I bought the course. I listened to it. I went to a couple of seminars. And this is when I lived down in Los Angeles, California. And uh, it seemed uh, pretty interesting, something that was worthwhile looking into. And uh, from there, I started going to local real estate investment club meetings and seminars, workshops. I went to a couple of boot camps and decided that I wanted to find a, a market where it was more affordable price-wise and just decided to make the move out to Florida. So I moved out to Florida in 2003 and uh, went to a market that's about an hour north of me where you could pick up houses for relatively inexpensively. When we started out, we were buying houses for $60,000 um, was, was the highest price point. We were buying houses for as little as fifteen or 20000 and we were just fixing them, renting them, fixing them, flipping them. And I've been doing that ever since. In 2008, I opened up the Distressed Real Estate Institute to teach other people how to do it. And we started holding these distressed real estate boot camps twice a year, every May and October. And um, we've been doing that ever since. Uh, about a year ago, we opened up Lex Real Estate Group, which is a retail division that focuses on more higher end real estate and waterfront real estate. And um, we've basically been uh, involved in real estate since 2003. Out of all the different ventures, what's been most profitable? You know, it's a good question. I would say it depends on your time frame and how you look at it. Because if you look at it from a time frame of length, I would say the most profitable would have been the buying and holding. Because as an example, I've got a property I just listed on the MLS and got a contract today for 140000 I went back to look what I paid for it back in 2009 and I bought it for 35000 So clearly that's a huge Profit spread over a six-year period. However, having how said you, that, how much you put into it? I put fifteen into it when I bought it from the bank, and then I put another twelve thousand into it to get it ready for the MLS. Once I kicked the tenant out and got it ready for the MLS, so I probably put about twenty-seven into it, so all in for maybe sixty something. But still, you know, buying at sixty and selling at one forty is, is is quite a nice spread. But I had to deal with the tenants and renting the property for six years. So um, I have made a lot of money just by buying and fixing and renting and refinancing. That's also worked very well. However, having said that, there's something to be said for just picking up a property for 80000 throwing 15 into it and putting it on the market and flipping it for 130 and walking away with twenty or 25000 over like a four-month period. Um, uh, you know, so that works well. And then wholesaling, you know, we, we do 10 to 20 houses a month. And even though we might only make $3,000 a house, it really starts adding up when you start doing volume. And it's it's probably the easiest side of the business just because there's so many investors looking for a good fix and flip. They don't mind you paying you $3,000 if you just hand it off to them. You get paid and you move on to the next deal. So I'd say that all areas of the business have different pros and cons. I started out as a landlord. I'd never wholesaled or fixed and flipped for the first three years of the business. Uh, then around 2007, when banks started becoming hesitant to refinance, I realized I needed another exit strategy. I couldn't just go to the bank and refinance everything because the banks weren't willing to refinance anymore. So that's when we decided to start flipping. And then the REO crisis that started in 2008 and you know had gotten full steam by 2009, we realized that there was an incredible opportunity, which is why we opened up the Distressed Real Estate Institute in 2008. But we also realized there's no way we could buy all the inventory that the banks were trying to sell. So that's where the wholesaling came into play, where we said, okay, if the bank gives us 10 houses a week, 
we can close on two or three of them to rehab, but what do we do with the other seven? And that's where the wholesaling came in. So I think that at the end of the day, to kind of tap into all the different gamuts of real estate, it's a good idea to know all of them, but but I would probably recommend to your listeners that you pick one. And um, I would say that if they've got a job and good credit, probably buy, fix, and refinance is the easiest way to start. If someone wants to get to the place where you're at and they're they're starting out either fix and flipping or wholesaling, what are a couple things that happened? Either you had a an aha moment or you built a relationship or you structured your deals differently. What are a couple things that, that were tipping points for you? For me, I think that the major tipping point, the, the major aha moment was just having my back up against the wall, you know, because I was a very successful stockbroker and money manager. I made almost a million dollars a year in the years 96, 97, 98, 99. So I thought I was uh, invincible. But when March of 2000 came along, I lost all my money. I lost all my clients. I lost my business. I shut everything down. And I was basically broke, broke to the point where my father-in-law was sending us money to pay for the electrical bill. And uh, what made it even more scary at the time was my first son was born in February of 99. So I had a one-year-old. I had a non-working wife. And my business had completely imploded and I had no money. So that for me was really the moment where I said to myself that I have to do something drastic. And it's not like I can just go and put together a resume and go out into the job market. So when I saw this concept of real estate and being able to get involved in it for no money down, it appealed to me because it looked like something that I could do. And because of the background that I had from the brokerage and having clients that had money, I figured that if it made sense and I presented it to them, that I might be able to get them on board as investors, which which is what I did. Mm, okay. How you're making the most money now, what category is that? I would say we probably make 70% of our revenues from wholesaling and the other 20% from fix and flip and very small amount from rentals because rentals really where you make your money is in the holdings. So in other words, uh, if I take a typical market, let's say Port St. Lucie, for example, uh, prices are up about 10% year over year. So if you have a house that's worth 140000 you know, last year it might have been worth 125. So if you have 50 houses like that, they all went up 15,000 apiece. You had a very good year, but you, you you're not really extracting that money. So it's on paper. It's not the same as when you fix and flip a house and actually have cash deposited in your checking account or if you wholesale a house. So we still rely on wholesaling as our bread and butter. The thing that's nice about wholesaling is you don't make a lot on each deal, but it's consistent, you know, and, and we have days where we sell six or seven houses in one day. So it's consistent every day. You know, we sell a house today. I sold two houses. Yesterday I sold one house. Um, so it's, it, it's, it's consistent income and it's also easy to sell because there's so many investors out there that are looking for a good deal. So people call me up and say, I'm looking for a good house to fix and flip. And I say, here you go. Go take a look at this one. And uh, that's relatively easy for them. Those two houses that you sold yesterday, were uh, either one of them with one of your client partners? No, uh, neither of them, them were. They were just basically properties that uh, were actually correction. One of them was acquired by one of our students in our partnership program. But the person we sold it to was a cash buyer that came into our database. We have a little over 110,000 cash buyers in our database. And I sell houses every day to people that I've never met before. And uh, the houses that I sell, I've never seen. I've never physically been inside them. 
So, you know, we just have a lot of people calling us looking for deals, and we send out these deals every Monday and Wednesdays via email. And we also promote uh, via our website, our blog, our app, and a bunch of other places. And uh, we've got a lot of people calling and looking for deals. You know, there's a lot of money to be made in fixing and flipping, and a lot of people are aware of that. And we are very visible online. A lot of people find us, and a lot of people come to us looking for deals. Yeah, and I, I was mentioning before we recorded, I'm a huge fan of the layout of your website and just like the design and how interactive it is. Uh, no, so, thank you. Yeah, and I, I love the YouTube testimonials, etc. I'm curious with your partnership program, how did you see your personal profits increase from before you had the partnership program when you're doing all the deals on your own? to now where it looks like people pay a fee to get going plus split the profits with you 50-50. That's really why the whole boot camp and partnership program came to be because what happened was we set up the Distressed Real Estate Institute in 2008. Initially, the goal was to just go out there and create like a fund where we just buy as much as we could get our hands on. But um, we realized that even if we had the capital, what we lacked was the ability to get the deals. In other words, to get access to those individual REOs because each REO was still listed on the MLS and you still had to make that phone call to that listing agent. So initially what we did is we tried to hire people and pay them salaries to go out and get deals. But the problem is, is that we had to train them and the training was very intense and a lot of them didn't have an interest in real estate. So we had a very high payroll with very low returns. So that's where we came up with the concept of the boot camp where we said, listen, if we could just put people in a training environment for three days and give them all the criteria that we're looking for. These are the type of houses we're looking for. This is how much you should pay. This is the conditions. This is the repairs, etc." Then these people could go out and they could go on the MLS and they could call different realtors and we could spread out throughout the country and have more properties coming to us. And yes, now we'd have to give up on the profit. We'd only make half of the deal, but we'd have way more people bringing deals to us. So that's essentially how the boot camp started. Now, when we did our first two boot camps, which were both sold out, at the end of the second boot camp, a gentleman came up to us and said, you know, I love your training, I love your system, but I don't have the money to buy one of these houses from the bank. So if I don't have a proof of funds letter or if I don't have a way for somebody to pay for it, then I can't flip it to anyone. So we went back to the drawing board. We thought about it and you said, you know, what would happen if we actually gave these people a proof of funds letter and we actually told them, hey, we'll back your transaction. And when we decided to do that, there was a lot of rejection inside our, our own company of people who said, you know, you can't go out there and just give people proof of funds letters. But I said, let's go ahead and try it. And we didn't realize how successful it would be because what happened is now we had a framework where people could actually come in, would give them a proof of funds letter, would give them the backing to fund their deals, would give them the parameters of what we were looking for. We told them we've got a ton of buyers. All they have to do is find deals. And during that system, we were easily able to uh, put it into a, uh, a format that made sense and worked for them. And then over the years, we added to it. For example, last year we added an online training site. So now if a student comes to a three-day boot camp and there's too much information, they're able to go home, log into a training site and watch videos. So 
Another thing that we do as well is we refund them on their first deal, the cost that they paid to attend the boot camp. So in other words, we're saying to them, hey, if you just find one house and we sell it for you and we partner up on the deal, when we split our profits 50-50, we'll give you back what we paid. Because the initial goal that we had is we just wanted thousands of people out there finding houses and we just wanted to be the central point that just sold these houses to other investors. So... We want to give people their money back. You know, we want people finding houses. And our biggest challenge still today, even with all the thousands of people that have gone through the program, is still finding deals. That's our biggest challenge. Thank you so much for getting into the details on that. I Just a really refreshing and candid approach for why you set up the way you did. And it truly does benefit everybody involved if uh, you know the people who are coming into the program are, are active as with anything that you sign up for if you're if you put some work into it and it's a good system then it works um, I've seen that business model with Dave Lindahl on apartment investing I have private consulting clients and um, if they have a deal and it's too big for them then I partner with them on it um, so it, it's a beautiful business model, and it's tried and true. And I wanted to mention that because clearly, you know, your seventy percent of the profits are from wholesaling, whether it's a combination and it's a combination of your stuff and then partnership stuff. For any best ever listener out there who has a track record in wholesaling, this could be the type of system that could take you to the next level, where you have some sort of partnership program. I want to jump back to your experience right now, Lex, and finding the deals, because as you said, it's still the number one challenge is finding the quality deals. When you train someone um, or your team trains someone, what is the back of the napkin approach that you tell them to take whenever qualifying a deal? Well, the back of the napkin approach we tell them is to just find a deal that's got enough equity in it for a rehabber to fix and flip the property or for a landlord to fix and rent the property. So the majority of our buyers are either rehabbers that are fixing and flipping or they're landlords. So we've got two types of houses really that are very appealing. We've got the entry level home that's not in the worst neighborhood, like maybe it's two or three tiers above the worst neighborhood, but it's definitely a first-time home buyer starter kind of home. It's like a 3-2, and that's the kind of house that would appeal to a first-time buyer who's going to get qualified with an FHA mortgage, uh, maybe somebody who's moving out from renting an apartment into buying their first home. So those kind of homes typically cannot be more than about 150000 Now, I say that depending on where you are in the country because certain areas of the country – FHA loan limits are higher, um, and in certain areas they're lower. But generally speaking, based on the U.S. median income, it's around 150. So you're looking for affordability, and that's what these uh, fix and flip rehabbers are looking for. Now, the landlords are looking for a different product. They're looking for the cheapest house that they can buy that they can rent out for the most amount. So oftentimes those are Section A type of homes, which is a housing authority program, and those homes are typically in pretty low-income areas. If it's not the worst neighborhood in town, it's usually the second worst neighborhood in town. So you have low prices, higher crime, lower income, but very, very good cash flow. So both of those products tend to be the lower end of the market. So we might be like I live in Boca Raton, Florida. We have 16, $20 million homes, but the vast majority of everything that we sell is from 40000 up to about 150000 200000 max. If someone brings me a house, 500000 or 600000 even if it's worth eight hundred, it's very hard for me to sell because I don't have somebody to sell it to. 
But if somebody brings me a, a house that's worth 130 for 90, I can turn it all day long over to an investor for 95. Makes sense. And where are you or your team? Um, where are you getting the most leads from right now? What's the tactic? Well, most of our leads just come right off of the MLS, and a lot of our students are very disappointed to hear that when they come to our boot camp. But I tell them, listen, all the deals out there primarily are REOs and short sales. So you've got bank home properties and short sales. Now, by law, all bank home properties have to be on the MLS, and by law, all short sales have to be on the MLS. That means even a site like Realtor.com, which is free to use for the general public, has all the short sales and all the bank-owned properties. So I simply tell people to type in their city into Realtor.com and then select single-family homes and then simply search low to high. And you get 15 listings per page and just start out on page one. Those are the cheapest houses in your city. And if you could buy any of them, uh, you'd probably be able to flip them relatively easy because those are the cheapest houses in your city. And there's a lot of cities out there, you know, so you don't have to only limit yourself to the city surroundings where you are. You can bid on properties anywhere. Um, another good source of properties is online auctions. So there's a lot of online sites like auction.com and um, hudhomestore.com and homesearch.com that uh, hubzoo.com, a lot of online auction sites like that that have properties and opportunities to bid on them. And um, it's always amazing to me when I see just the other day I saw a student of mine bid 95000 on a property that's worth 140 and she got the bid accepted. And I went over to the property and inspected with her, and the, and the property needs almost no work, less than $5,000 in work, brand-new kitchen, remodeled bathrooms, and um, she's picking it up for – approximately 45000 less than what it's worth. So if she spent 5000 fixing it up, there's still about 40000 in equity. What blows my mind is why didn't anybody else bid on that house? It's really not that difficult. We do show a lot of it at our boot camp. There's about eight websites that have listings where you can bid on online. And then, of course, there's just the old-fashioned approach, which uh, my grandfather calls hard work. And that's where you just pick up the phone and call the agent and say, hey, is that house available? And they can either say no or yes. If they say no, then you say, well, do you have any others that are available? You know, I'm a landlord looking for a good rental or a good fix and flip. And if you do that 10, 15, 20 times a day, then at the end of the week, that's, that's 100 points of contact that you've made. And at the end of the month, that's 400 realtors that could potentially be calling you back. So, um, you know, I like to tell people, I tell my students, you should try and make five offers a day, 25 offers a week. 100 offers a month. Now, if you're offering on 100 houses and you're not getting at least five back, well, then your offers are just way too low, right? So if you keep making offers and, and the seller accepts your offer, then our system makes it easy for them because they all they have to do is send it to us and say, hey, I've got a deal. I bought my buying this house for 90 and then we can go put it on our website at 99.9 and advertise it to a huge pool of cash buyers. And if it's a decent deal, uh, somebody's going to want it. Lex, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate investing advice ever would be don't quit. Because a lot of people, especially those that are attracted to wholesaling, which is far and above the most popular topic, and it's the most popular because everyone knows you can get started without putting up any cash or any credit. You don't need any money. So a lot of people think they can just go buy a book for $9 or, or 99 cents online and read a couple of things and then go out there and become a real estate kingpin. But in reality, what you have to understand is, is that you're dealing with a product and a product is a house. And you have to familiarize yourself with 
pricing in that neighborhood. You have to really understand what the guy who's buying the house from you for would fix and sell it for. And if you can understand that, then the next thing you need to understand is what the cash buyer who's buying those houses, what he would pay, the most he would pay for those houses. Once you've got those price points, then it becomes a little easier for you because you're able to more quickly go through all these different sites and scroll through a bunch of different listings and immediately reject a lot of houses. The problem is, is that that learning curve can take a few months and a lot of people, they'll make offers one day and they'll make it a second day they'll make it a third day and then they'll quit. So the best advice I could give you is just don't quit. Hang in there. And each time you call a realtor, each time you make an offer on a property, you will learn a little bit more that will get you a little closer. And all you have to do is just do that first flip. Once you make that first property flip, um, my student Rodney a couple of weeks ago, he's, he's in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He flipped a property in Florida in a town he's never been to. He didn't even believe it until he saw the check from the closing. And as soon as that check came in, the next day he was on fire, making 10 times more offers than the week before. So that would be the best advice I could give people is just, you know, kind of stick with it. Uh, invest a little bit in your training and education and then just be focused. Don't like run off like a... You know, some of these people are like perpetual real estate course seminar buyers, you know, so pick one thing, focus on it, learn it well, and then uh, do something with it. Ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, Matt Bowles, who was a guest on episode 289. His company, Maverick Investor Group, has a special report just for you on how to avoid the seven biggest mistakes in real estate that investors make in the 2016 boom cycle. Get yours free at maverickinvestorgroup.com forward slash best ever. That's M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K investorgroup.com forward slash best ever. Best ever book you've read? Oh, that's a good question. The Alchemist. I just listened to Tim Ferriss interview the author of The Alchemist. Good, really good interview. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it? Losing all my money. <laughs> I learned that uh, it makes you very humble and uh, you can always come back. Best ever deal you've done? Best ever deal I did was uh, buying a house for 4000 and flipping it for 40000 Best ever way you like to give back? Helping students and seeing people that came to me broke with nothing going on in their lives and now being full-time wholesalers, flipping houses, making $150,000, $200,000 a year. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate so far? Not listening to my mentor when he told me not to buy a house. And what happened on that house? Well, I ended up losing money. I paid too much for it. The repairs were way more than I anticipated. When I did the refinance, I had to go into my pocket and pay back money in order to get out of it. And what's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? On my website, lexlevenrad.com. Well, Lex, thank you for being on the show and sharing your advice with best ever listeners and talking about a whole lot of stuff. And you know, I was taking notes. One of the things that stands out is how you're getting the leads. And one is just straight MLS and making offers, those five offers a day. Two is those online auctions. And you gave that great example of one of the, the people in your program who made the offer on the house. And there's like 40 or so thousand in equity, it appears, after the repairs are, are being done. So really, it's just a matter of, as you said, don't quit hanging in there and making it happen. And also 
how you've structured your company so that you're getting access to more deals because initially you're going to create a fund, but then you saw that if even if you have all the capital you need, you still need the deals. So you've got a bunch of people all across the U.S. actively looking for deals and then partnering with you, and then you know they get into the game by leveraging your buyers list and your knowledge and then you make profit off of them by the upfront fee as well as the profit sharing so it allows you to scale your company get access to more deals and allows them to get going so really interesting business model and i hope you have a best ever day really enjoyed our conversation and we'll talk to you soon thank you so much joe and thank you again for having me best ever listeners matt bowles who was a guest on episode 289. His company, Maverick Investor Group, has a special report just for you on how to avoid the seven biggest mistakes in real estate that investors make in the 2016 boom cycle. Get yours free at maverickinvestorgroup.com forward slash best ever. That's M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K investorgroup.com forward slash best ever.